like a young junk you sad like making big mistakes I feel like for the first time in a long time I am not afraid I feel like a kid never thought it feel like this like when I Good morning, church. Um, this morning's scripture is from Romans 6, 2 through 11, and 22 through 23. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death. For we, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may live new lives. Since we have been unified with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that in sin, sin loses its power over our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died in Christ, we know that we also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. But now you are set free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God, slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hi again. So every few weeks we get this call that sounds a little bit like this. Uh, yes, this is the third and final call for Michelle. Michelle, we have tried numerous times to reach you. If you do not contact us in the next 24 hours, we will send out a debt collecting agency and which can prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law. Please call 1-800-SUCK-2-B-U. Okay, they don't say the 800 number that way, but... But they do say the first part of that call. And uh, maybe you've gotten a call like this. It sounds like it's a scam. Uh, this is actually a legit phone call, at least in our world. 
Um, I know it because we've gotten this call numerous times. Here's the thing, though. They're not actually calling for my wife, Michelle. They are calling for a Michelle. They're looking for a woman who has the same name, who lives in the same town, who actually had the same phone number that the phone company supplied us with, who just happens to have terrible credit. (laughs) Same name, same town, same phone number, completely different identity. An identity that comes with a whole lot of baggage, too. So we had no idea that our phone number would come with this kind of baggage, but I think a lot of us, we have these little pieces of our identity that we take on, and we have no idea the amount of baggage that they have, and they do way more damage than just cause annoying voicemails. So we've heard God's word together, we've witnessed a little child being dedicated to God, and we've been in this series for the last few weeks, since Easter actually, called Brand New, where we're discussing the resurrection and its influence and impact in our everyday lives. And today, What I want us to consider for just a few minutes is how the resurrection of Jesus affects our identity. See, our identity can be defined as our sense of being distinct, uh, having value, or even knowing yourself. I mean, Eli here, he was identified in the hospital, I'm pretty sure, with a little band that said Baby Erickson. But before he left the hospital, he was given a name, put on a certificate, And that was the first sense of identity he had. Now, I'm sure since then, several people that care about him have also given him little different identities. Uh, I know one of them is adorable, cutie. And these work for toddlers, boys or girls, they totally work. Now, middle school, probably not so much. But he's not there yet. He's just in daycare. That started. So he's going to add some pieces of his identity while he's in daycare. And then he's going to go to school, and he's going to have these little pieces of identity added to him there. Maybe he'll get class clown, or or he'll get class brain, or class helper, or maybe even class hero. And then he'll get some identity from his friends, maybe from his activities. Maybe he'll be an athlete or a musician. Maybe he'll be an artist or an actor. Maybe he'll be part of the tech crew. Maybe he'll be part of the robotics team. But all of these things, even before he's an adult, will be pieces of his identity, kind of like little plates. And so you might have a plate under your, t- uh, under your chair, and if you don't, we can get you one. But I'd like you to just pull up that plate and consider what pieces would be part of your identity. Maybe even want to write those down on that plate. For example, I have uh, a plate. I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor, so that's part of my identity. It's not my only identity, but um, I'm a husband, so that's part of my identity. I also uh, have children, so that's part of my identity. Um, I like stuff. I don't just have one bike, I have two and a half bikes. Well, because my mountain bike doesn't work very well, so it's more of a half a bike. But, you know, there's a road bike and a triathlon bike, and, you know, I liked 
so I have stuff, um, but some of that stuff is also a hobby. Now the hobby is actually a healthy hobby, so um, you know, and and I do have some friends, so um, so these are just that's why I gave you one plate, but. I don't know how it feels to hold all of your identities. I know how one lady said it. She said, let's see if I can. She said, I'm a college professor. I teach full-time class and have to keep up with the scholarly demands of trying to become a full-time professor. And I serve with my husband. We volunteer at church together because it's a way to spend time together and it's a good cause. And I'm trying to be an attentive and responsive parent for my children. I started helping my mother, who's elderly, and I have to carry a few different plates. I've already dropped and shattered my friend plate, not a very good friend, but, and my health is somewhat going down, and I feel like any of these plates could crash at any moment. Now, I really wanted to bring porcelain plates. I thought it would be, a, it's a lot easier to hold, but I also knew that there would be several children that might crack and hurt themselves on shards of plate. So see, I've, I've, I've matured. But I think we would understand a little bit better the tension that we feel if the plates that we hold or the identities that we have could crack or break at any moment. Maybe you walk around with an, a little bit of anxiety near you because you feel like you're holding all these different parts of yourself and you're not sure quite what to do with it. And if you can relate to that, I want us to just think about what Romans is telling us here. Romans 6 says a lot about death and resurrection and being buried with Christ and rising with Christ. And I think sometimes we can just Listen to that and go, I have no idea what to do with that. But over and over, Paul writes what he has learned and experienced. Christ died for our sin according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, thought that this meant that we needed to literally die with Christ. In fact, in Luke 22, he says to Jesus, as Jesus is explaining his last supper and what he needs to do when he goes to the Father, he says, Lord, I'm willing to go to prison. I'm ready to go with you. I'll even, I'll even die with you. And Jesus says, you're missing it, Peter. Actually, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. It is not about literally dying with you. If, if we're not quite sure about that, then we could look at, um, Joe, I might go out of order here, Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, 15, God places Adam, the man, in the garden to work and care for it, to give him a place of comfort. 
but also a sense of purpose and identity, work to do. And he says, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but just don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat of that tree, you will certainly die. Now, if you know the story, Adam and then Eve, they eat from that tree, and they don't immediately die. They take, and they eat it, and they hide, they blame, they shame, they try to cover, but they don't immediately die. They actually live quite a long time. So, either God's lying, or we don't understand what certain death means. There is a sense of being separated from God where the best way to describe it would be death. Jesus on the cross cries out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And then he dies and he is separated from the Father. God isn't asking us to give this sacrifice of death But I think what he is asking is for us to find our identity in his death and resurrection. See, Romans 6, 3 says, Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Or in 6, 5, he says, Since we've been united with him in his death will be raised to him in life. 6, 6, you know that our old sinful ways were crucified with Christ. Again, joining with his death, Romans 6, 8, since we have died with Christ, we know we will live with Christ. And even Romans 6, 11, you should consider yourselves dead to the power of sin and alive through Christ. So if you're a note taker, you might want to describe your, this identity that he's asking us to consider is being dead to sin, where sin, I would say, is separation from God and alive to God. See, oftentimes, I think, maybe we're even told this in church, but we're told, hey, if you're holding all these different plates, you know, that, and you're not sure what to do with them because you've got your hobbies and you've got your, your work and you've got your relationships and your friendships and, and your health, you know, you just need to decide what you need to give up. And, and there is some maybe truth to that. Like if you put all of your hope in and center your life on your spouse, thinking that you're going to make them happy, you're going to end up disappointed, first of all, because you can't control how they feel. And if you're not sure, just go ahead and try and get married. <laughs> but you'll end up becoming emotionally dependent and stunted. It's, it doesn't work. Um, if you find all of your hope in money or stuff, you, you're going to end up worried or jealous all of the time. And, and you're going to do whatever it takes to maintain that status, which always ends poorly. So if, if you're going to put your hope in your hobbies or your pleasures, uh, you're going to be one step from addiction. It's, it's just, it's not going to end well. And if, if you put all of, your, all of your sense of identity in your work or your career and, and it goes poorly, you could end up depressed. If it goes well, you just could end up really shallow and lonely. So 
I think this idea of examining our plates is something worth considering, but what's worse than just holding too many plates is holding too tightly to the wrong plates. So if we think about that, what Jesus is actually asking to, for us to identify with his death not join him in his death, but identify with his death, actually looks a lot more like Genesis 22. So Genesis 22 is this point where there has been creation, it's beautiful, there's been rebellion, it's been ugly, rebellion has gotten worse. It's gone from just a a broken marriage to like kids who, brothers who kill each other, to then kind of death raging across the, the world, the God floods the earth to make new life. And then even in the midst of that, they're building this this city to to make a name for themselves, to live independently from God. And in that moment, God calls this one man and one woman who are are nearly dead, 75 and 65 years old. The, The scripture says nearly dead. I don't think if you're 65, you're nearly dead, but that's another story. Who have no kids, and which means if they have no kids, it means they have no future life. Future life is another word for eternal life. And in that moment, he calls them on this journey. And he says their descendants will be so numerous that he will make a name for themselves. They won't have to make that name for them. And in that moment, through that journey, they get to this point where they have this promised son, Isaac, who means God's laughter. And in Genesis 22, God asks Abraham, we can put it up on the screen. Abraham, Abraham, here I am, God, meaning I'm all in, I'm ready to go, whatever you ask, take your son, your only son, the son you love, and offer him up as a sacrifice. On the mountain I will show you. See, if we think this means we just have to kill whatever gives us unique identity, then we're missing what this is saying. Because in this moment, Abraham obeys God and it looks like it's going to be awful. And yet, when they get to the mountain, he says, the boy and I will come go and worship God and then we will return. Even in the midst of something that God was asking, Abraham knew I believe Abraham knew in the bottom of his heart he wasn't asking for him to literally sacrifice in death, but to join with the sacrifice. He says, his son says, Father, we have the wood, we have the fire, but where's the sacrifice? And he says, the Lord will provide. And in this moment, where Abraham just obeys God, believes God, is doing what I think Romans is telling us to do, to join with the death of Jesus, to join with the sacrifice of God. In that moment, God does provide, and he provides, if you look closely, it says he provides a ram. If you remember in John, maybe you don't know the scriptures very well, but John is the first, one of the First books of the Bible, John comes on the scene and he writes about John the Baptist who says when he first sees Jesus as as an adult starting his ministry, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. 
But when Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, he finds a ram in the thicket. A ram is a sacrifice for an adult male. A lamb is a sacrifice for a son. In the Exodus story, the the people of God are told that they need to sacrifice a lamb or their firstborn son will be killed. Again, a lamb is for a son. A ram is for a father. God provides a ram, which means the sacrifice was not about Isaac. It was about Abraham. Yeah, what's the point? The point is not that God is a God of death. He's a God of life. So to join with Jesus in his death is not to kill something in yourself. It's to find what is more important than God. That's what was happening in Genesis 22. Abraham, take this son, the son you love, and go and offer him up to me. Is he more important than I am? No, when God provides, he says, don't lay a hand on the boy. I know that you will not withhold even what is most precious to you. See, friends, if we start with identifying ourselves in the, resur- in the death and resurrection of Christ, then we are in Christ and with Christ at every moment. That's what I think, that's what, let me make sure I'm, that's what um, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, by faith with Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. This is about life, not about death. That is what Genesis 22 is about. It's about life. That is about what Genesis 2 and not eating from the fruit Apart from God, taking something that God says is good to look at, but not to take and eat, they take and they eat it, and they eat it away from God. I think we start spinning plates, holding plates anxiously, because we know some of them are living, some parts of our identity are apart from God. But even Romans 12 talks about a sacrifice that is living. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Meaning we can choose to get off the altar, but also we can choose to live with Christ and in Christ at every moment. All of the time offering ourselves to God. This is true and proper worship. It's holy and pleasing to God. So we don't conform to the patterns of this world, meaning we don't have to to hold or spin plates the same way, meaning that, that if we feel like and sense that God is telling us to be healthy and holy with our bodies, that becomes placed in our relationship with God. It's part of our identity. That means if God calls us to be a parent, that means we parent in Christ and with Christ. That means if he calls us to be married, then we love our spouse in Christ and with Christ. And if he tells us to go after a noble cause, to give to others, to make the world a better place, again, we do that 
in Christ and with Christ. And God is a God of pleasure. God is a God of fun. God is a God of holiness. And we can do that in Christ and with Christ. And all of a sudden, we go, oh, I can, I can do that. Because we're not doing it. It is Christ in us and with us. I think this is part of what it means for the resurrection of Jesus Christ to impact and influence our identity. That we are crucified with Christ. We join him in his death and in his resurrection. That God goes with us at every moment of every time. That it is about living life, not about sacrificing and death. Next week, we'll look at this idea of living in the freedom of sin. It means freedom from sin, not freedom to sin, to do whatever we want. But this is about what I think it means to be dead to sin and alive to God. So would you consider, would you examine your plates, meaning would you consider the different aspects and areas of your life that you may be living apart from your relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, then I just encourage you to consider this aspect and idea of this God being a God of life, one who gives rather than one who takes away. A God who willingly pursues us and runs after us to enjoy life with us. Yes, as our Holy Father, as our one who has all authority, but also has all power and all life. To examine those plates, to inspect our life, to see what is influencing us and if it is influencing us away from God or bringing us towards God. Would you pray with me? God, you are the author of life. And Jesus, you made a way for us where there looked to be no way. God, I pray that you would speak to us about where we're with you and where we're living in you. And I pray that you would bring us ah, your, your pleasure and your comfort in that. I pray also for those that are Maybe the best way to describe it would be almost like simply existing or a walking dead. Thinking that you're a God of no freedoms, a God of lots of frustrations and restrictions. And we're just trying to exist, but always afraid of you. God, I pray that we could worship you for who you truly are that we could understand who we truly are and where we are. That you could move in us in such a way as to redeem every aspect of our life, that we would be identified in your death, but also in your resurrection. That you would bring the power to be free from sin and in life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.